Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. What brand do you remember as a child having the first impact on you? What's the first brand you kind of remember wanting or loving or buying? <laughs> Pringles. Really? I'll tell you why. Gro growing up in Brazil on a dictatorship, those products didn't exist. And to travel abroad was super hard. So the number one treat that you could get from someone, which is like no one, that would travel abroad to the U.S. was a can of Pringles. And that was magic. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today on my podcast is Eduardo Lutz. He's a Brazilian, and he's had experience with some of the most iconic brand companies in the world, Accenture, AB InBev, Kraft Heinz, and Unilever. Eduardo's lessons are timeless about the impact a leader can make through the brands that his company is marketing. Here's my conversation with Eduardo Lutz. So, Eduardo, welcome to the CMO Podcast. Thanks, Jim. So, before we get into things, I understand you're an athlete, right? <laughs> Beach volleyball, water polo. <laughs> Long time ago. So in addition, to, in addition to being a CMO, you're an athlete. Right. So tell me your greatest athletic experience of all time. Like, did you ever play a famous player or beat a famous player or come from behind on a heroic win or loss or whatever? Well, my body's really low. I mean, <laughs> heroic is like, I was, um, I was selected to the Brazilian water polo national team. That's fantastic. There are like Come on. there are five people who play water polo in Brazil. So <laughs> I was I was probably one of them. That's it. That I guess is my number one you know claim of fame for in sports. So how old were you when that happened? I was uh, eighteen, nineteen. Wow. wow. Do you still play? No. Water polo. Either you play or you don't play. Yeah. There is nothing. So what do you do now? Do you do tennis? Run, I do tennis. Running? I do I do tennis. Yeah, I try to do tennis on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in the gym? Not really. Not really. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So how good are you numerically on tennis? Are you four five, five oh, three I, and a half? I started as a three five. I moved to a four five uh, last year. Yeah. I'm getting better, but you know, my, my kid, he's eleven. He's already beating me. He's which going is, to be good. Well, or <laughs> I'm really very not so good. You know? So anyway, let's get back to the CMO stuff. Um, <laughs> you worked at Unilever? Yes. A B and Bev? Yes. Accenture? Yeah. And now Kraft Heinz. Right. So I want you to tell me your family's favorite brand from all those, not Accenture, your family's favorite brand from those three brand companies. Look, so Unilever, favorite brand for your family? Dove. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, nothing beats Dove, uh, especially the real women thing, which is super cool uh, that those guys created a long time ago. It's still resonating. Uh, yeah, it's a great job there. 15 years into it, it's still yeah, working. Right. Um, for for Kraft Heinz, nothing beats SketchUp. You're the coolest dad if you're the dad who, who makes SketchUp, which, you know, <laughs> apparently who I am uh, for my kids. So yeah, high SketchUp. Yeah. Just basic Heinz SketchUp? Yeah. Organic. Organic. Okay. Yeah. Super. So A, B, and Bev, your kids are a bit young, but how about you? <laughs> Stella toi. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. That's my favorite. I have the chalice. Right. It's beautiful. The only way to drink it. Right. Yeah, super. So um, could you tell us, so we get to know you a bit better, is there something about you that's not online? Something that no one knows about, really? Um, I, uh, well, there are a lot of things that aren't online. Thank God, that's right? Good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I... I didn't speak English since uh, until I was like 22, 23. Oh, I still don't. You see, this is a broken You're version of doing English. Great. Um, come from Rio, from a very humble family there. My parents still live there in Rio. I have a sister who lives there. Um, yeah, so my my all my, my I grew up um, uh, in Brazil, in Rio, when it was a very different country. Uh, it was a dictatorship. Uh, in Brazil in the 80s, which is crazy to think about it, but uh, that was the reality there. Um, yeah, and life changed a lot in, since uh, 20, 30 years. So fast forward here, you're now the CMO of one of the great companies of the world. You have been the CMO of one of the great companies of the world. You've worked for other storied companies like Unilever, AB InBev. How'd that happen? How'd you get from you know, the family you grew up in to this, these amazing roles? Uh, look, the, the, what, were, what were the milestones? No, look, I, 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 I believe in hard work, of course, but uh, there is a, I really believe in chance. You meet people, uh, you get along with people, you, you see opportunities sometimes and you jump. Um, so, you know, I, I, I didn't plan any of this. You know, growing up as a, as a kid in Rio uh, in, the, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, I mean, would never think about you know, be living abroad and, uh, you know, raising a family outside of my country. Um, what did you want to do back then as a kid? Did you even think about it? My, my mother, my mother wanted me to join the Brazilian Navy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you play water which, polo, Which is not? not exactly the most, you know, probably the most powerhouse Navy in the world. It's crazy. <laughs> and yeah, not, nothing was planned. It's just a uh, chance and, and work. So from university, you went where? Um, what was your first job? I went to work for uh, an American consulting firm called Accenture. Yeah. Uh, it was the best job I could find in Rio by the time. Uh, and the promise was that you would be exposed to you know, uh, things outside of Brazil, which was exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I went to business school, came back, uh, joined the beer company. Uh, very grateful for that. Um, then joined Unilever uh, to run their personal care division in Brazil. Uh, and then you know, Kraft Heinz. Yeah, fantastic. So if you think back on your career, starting with Accenture out of university, could you just tell me what's the most important thing you learned at each of those companies that helped you at the, in the next assignment, starting with Accenture and going forward? Yeah, well, when you are a management consultant, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the key thing is to think on an organized way, you know, five whys and try to be, you know, going to the root of issues to try to help a client, right? That's what consultants, mm-hmm. <laughs> good consultants try to yeah. do, right? And that helps uh, because you, 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 you create a, like a, a, a mind that co- continues to interrogate things and try to get to the bottom of things uh, or root causes, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
then when I moved to, you know, to so the- So what was your most amazing client in your time at Accenture? Can you um, remember? I, I worked in a lot of retailing uh, uh, projects. Uh, in Brazil. In Brazil, yeah. in, in, uh, in the UK. Um, I work on the beer company uh, before joining them, uh, and, and they're an amazing company. Uh, you know, it, it was a Brazilian company back then, and then became international. Uh, and you know, what those guys did to really become a global force on a big category. The ABM coming, Dev team, right? Yeah. Coming from Brazil is incredible, right? Hats off to those guys. Yeah, I think w when you go to the industry side, right, uh, and you're really running something, uh, then I think the the most important thing is you know, how you interrogate the uh, consumer behavior, right? Which, as you know, it's, it's tricky. People, people say one thing and do another. And people, obviously, you, know, you, you have to be really uh, nuanced in terms of how you um, ask people questions because you know, they don't care about you know, ketchup, mac and cheese, whatever, right? It's a, it's a split second decision every you know, other week. Um, so you have to really try to be uh, deep into their circumstances, the way we call it uh, at Kraft Heinz, uh, and try to understand pain points. And, you call uh, it secret senses? Uh, we, we call it uh, uh, the, the consumer pain points, oh, which is yeah. you know, how, how people uh, behave and uh, how they choose to live their lives mm -hmm. and their circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a fascinating yeah. body of work. Because you know, when you're really thinking about that, it's a jobs approach, right? Uh, you have to go deep to unlock um, insights. And sometimes, you know, uh, people will say something that they're completely sure about. And when you when you see the data, when you see what they are doing really in their lives, you know, their homes or at work, is completely different. And then they just don't realize that. Um, and to me, that's the most fascinating part of being uh, on a on a consumer facing industry. So when the US government had their shutdown, right. your company did something pretty amazing. I'm still kind of blown away by it. So could you tell us about that? And actually more importantly, how you made that decision, which I thought was bold, courageous, purpose-driven. So could you tell us a bit, bit about that and the backstory behind it, what others could learn from that? Sure. The, the, the story is this, we, we, you know, we have 200 brands and the number one brand that we have size-wise is Kraft, Kraft the brand, not Kraft the company. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Kraft is, is a brand with uh, you know, broad shoulders, a lot of categories, things like that. Um, and we, we had been thinking uh, since we you know, uh, consolidated the brand into a master brand approach back in October last year, um, you know, what is really the reason for the craft brand to exist and be relevant in people's lives? What's the purpose of these brands? And we work with our um, agency for craft, which is a Leo uh, in Chicago, right? Leo Burnett. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we landed in a place which, which is interesting, which is, you know, craft uh, exists to provide parents uh, with moments of release when they're in, in stressful situations, especially with their kids. I, I like this construct because it, it, it's not far away from what the craft products are. Melting cheese, mac and cheese, you know, salad dressing, ranch, etc. right? And we, we were very happy with, uh, with this construct uh, back in December and ready to deploy uh, that thinking into the world, right? In terms of campaigns and, you know, mm -hmm. even informing the innovation pipeline, et cetera. 
and then to your point, the the uh, federal government uh, shut down. And at first, we yeah we we were kind of watching the news, but we never occurred to us that we could have any involvement with that, right? But then something special happened. We we have a process with uh, Leo for Craft where, and we created that uh, in January this year. Every Friday, they have we have uh, one hour in our agendas where they come and pitch ideas to us. Fantastic. Based every Friday, Leo Burnett comes over and pitches ideas. Every Friday. Um, and based on the brief that has seven words, which is the reason for craft to exist. So whatever idea you have- So it has to be on purpose, right? It has right. to be on the brand's purpose. Right. The, the, brief, the brief is seven words. Yeah. Um, nothing more than that. Um, and, and, and our ask to Leo in that case is, Bring any idea. It doesn't matter the, the medium that you're going to use. doesn't matter the budget. doesn't matter anything. Bring explosive ideas. And then they brought this idea of, uh, of hey, guys, there's a government shutdown. If craft is about releasing moments of stress for parents, it's very hard to beat not having a paycheck as a moment of stress. So craft should have a say on this. And we said, oh, no, of course, it makes sense. Which kind of say? And they were, well, what about we open a grocery store in DC, which is you know, the center of the federal workers' uh, um, contingency there. And, um, and that, in that grocery store, if you are a federal worker, you show up, you can grab a bag of groceries and go home without paying. And if you want later, when you have your pay paycheck back, you can donate to charity, whatever. So they pitched this idea on a Friday uh, afternoon. On Wednesday, the next Wednesday, the, the store was uh, open wow. uh, in D.C. What did you call the store? Uh, Craft Now, Pay Later. Hmm. Um, and, then, and then something magic happened because we, um, we saw that people really appreciated that. Um, and then we invited other brands, competing brands, just to join us. Hmm. And a lot of people showed up, you know, Tropicana, uh, Coke, um, H&M for because it was cold in February and January and you know for gloves with people yeah, in the, on sure. the lines etc um, so it was very cool uh, in, in that sense and, th and then 10 days later um, what we did is we, we doubled down the commitment we said look um, we don't know how long this shutdown will going to last it was kind of extending and we say look uh, how long it lasts we'll keep the store open period Right. If it's six months, it's going to be six months. What I like about this is, is it, it, it's a principle that to me is important on, on like modern, modern brand building, which is brands expressing themselves, their values, beyond just communications. You know, and we call that beyond just commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, I mean, we, we didn't expect anything there. It's just a brand has to have a point of view mm -hmm. about stuff based on, on its own set of values. Um, and I think that's powerful, you know, the, and I think that's the only way I can think of on, on how to revive sometimes dusty legacy brands. Uh, and we try to do that across the company. So what was the impact of that uh, amazing, amazing idea that you executed very quickly? What was the impact on that inside your company? People are proud, Jim. People are proud because it, it, it's funny. Every time you, you, you show up uh, on a legit way, right? Uh, not, not asking anything in return, not asking for a tap on the back to say, hey, self-congulatory thing, et cetera. 
you just do something that's legit and good, people get proud, right? So the amount of um, uh, 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 pride in the company behind this craft now pay later was incredible. The, um, the letters that we received from consumers and people out there, it, it's incredible. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a definition of brand love. People appreciating a gesture, say, hey, this is was well done, thank you. You touched my family, you touched people that I know, and it's just cool. Yeah. So you have this ritual where Leo Burnett comes every Friday to p pitch ideas. Do, right. you have, do you have other rituals in your company or in your experience as a leader to get ideas, creativity flowing, business ideas, anything else that we could learn from? Right. No, we, ha we have a bunch. Uh, you know, uh, with, with th those guys at Vayner, we, uh, uh, the ritual is different, right? The, 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 the ritual is you guys have a, a, an open channel with us. Uh, so there is no emails, no even calls. It's just text messaging. And um, based on open briefs, and um, so your brief to VaynerMedia is the same, 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 like short the purpose, right? Purpose, etc., right? And those guys will, I mean, in terms of how they how they hustle is is really unique. Um, and we we keep approving work uh, via text message, so no chains of command. Nobody has to call me or anything like that. Uh, if it makes sense and if some brand do it, right? Um, and, and to me, it, it's it's nice because of course it's it's fast, uh, and you deploy things fast. But I think it creates a, a level of accountability and empowerment to the team that I think is special. Because the brand managers, people managing those brands, they they know that they are really in charge, mm -hmm. and that's massive. And they know that when things go wrong, because they tend to sometimes. Nobody's going to, you know, blame them or say, "Hey, who did this?" or you know, "Who was responsible for this?" No, no, no. You guys are empowered. We accept that sometimes things will backfire. That's part of life. Mm -hmm. If it does, be be honest, and you have to apologize. Just apologize and move on and learn. This kind of ritual, I think, not only the you know the hustle of you know text messages, but the empowerment of people. And the culture of not of avoiding blame, right? Uh, I think that's that's a real unlock uh, for good work. So, who has inspired you? You know, as you were going through your career, to come up with ideas like this. So, what kind of leaders have you worked for or admired from afar that give you inspiration to do the kinds of things you do with these creative rituals, motivating your teams, getting the best ideas from your partners, right? It's a good, good question. Um, I don't know. I, 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 tend, I tend to think of, um, you know, sometimes uh, historical characters like, you know, people like, I don't want to sound fancy, but, you know, Churchill, uh, Lincoln, people sure. who, who led, you know, on, on times of crisis and what, how they behaved with their people and how they were decisive and had to be mentally organized uh, and mobilizing their case, of course, you know, the, the thousands of people, right? I, I think those principles of leadership, they really translate well uh, when you're managing um, a company, managing a large team, et cetera, right? Um, you need to be super clear about where you want to take it, how you want to interact with people and how you want to, you know, to deal with situations and, and establish a backbone of, uh, you know, rituals, mm -hmm. again, that uh, keep things together, right? Um, 
I have seen that. Uh, I have seen companies who don't have that kind of backbone, and I think it's tough because you you, you don't have a working, um, you know, process that you have to rely that you can rely on. You have everything is ad hoc. Everything is you have to wait for the phone to ring or something to happen yeah. for you to react. It's hard to scale without it, right? To train people to approach the market right. in a common way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that that's one thing. The, the other thing is the, the other inspiration is um, you know you, you see um, principle based companies out there who are very explicit about their principles and the way they want to operate. For instance, uh, Netflix comes to mind. Right, you go online, you see their you know culture manifesto, etc. I think that's powerful because you 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 try to put on paper what you you stand for. And, and when you do that, as with a brand purpose, right, it, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, some people say, this is great, this is for me. Some people say, no, no, this, this is not for me. But that's powerful because for people who espouse it and embrace it, it's very clear what the company or the choices that they made, right? Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we try to do, uh, to, to get inspired by that. And, and we published our own version of our 10 principles for brand building. Um, and we, we put out there. It's we just publish, you know, uh, uh, not only internally but also externally, so that people like you know agency partners, uh, you know, outside candidates, to say, hey, this how those those guys think about brain building. I may disagree. Maybe it's not good thinking, but at least I know what they stand for. Right. Uh, and it helps. It helps everybody. Yeah. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then. The results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So let me go back to your career path again. We talked a bit about Accenture and management consulting. Mm-hmm. If you think about Unilever and AB InBev, kind of what's one word or one description of your experience there that helped you build the kind of leader you are today? I always believe, Jim, that uh, that leaders should be leading from the front. I always believe that the, the best people I have seen uh, in action, you know, CEOs, CMOs, uh, senior people, the best ones are the ones who are really out there, instead of being in a ivory tower or in a, you know, locking office, um, out there with consumers, out there with teams, uh, walking the streets, uh, seeing what's happening firsthand. Uh, we, we call it managing, managing by walking around. Sure. Um, so th- that principle, I think, is, is stuck with me, and I really believe on that. The second one, I think, is important, but is not uh, applied um, every time in, in companies, uh, which is meritocracy. Mm. I mean, it, 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 if we can find a way to let the best people who contribute the most uh, uh, progress faster or get the be- better opportunities, right? Everybody wins. Um, the third one is ownership, right? Ownership is, is uh, very, very much a center of our culture, uh, the way we do things. 
where the empowerment comes from, etc. Right? But the ownership is is also to live with the consequences of your decisions. So you know, yeah, you know, let's assume that sometimes things will go wrong. You know, as an owner, you live with that and you find a way to you know to learn and overcome and get better instead of just you know uh, pray or run. Uh, and so those three principles to me are very important. Let me give you a short story. Uh, we have a son who is in business school now at Ross, Michigan. Right. And he's decided on management consulting as his career. But he did, he interviewed the CPG companies and I asked him about that. And the one that stood out was Kraft Heinz. And I said, why? He said, I love their meritocracy. Right. And their approach that if you get results and get stuff done, you can move quickly and you, right. and you can be decisive. Right. So it's coming through. Thank you. No, it's, it's good to hear. Look, the, the, the team that uh, became the, um, uh, the center of uh, the business that I run there, grocery, right? Uh, all, everything that's center of store. We found those guys in Pittsburgh in 2013. And uh, some of them were like analysts. Now they're VPs uh, six years later, right? And, and, and this is just um, the center of our philosophy in terms of managing people, right? The best will go faster as it should be. Yeah. So you've had a, a great career path uh, all the way up through Kraft Heinz. You ran the grocery business, and, you, and then you were CMO for a while. Right. So tell me what it's like to be a CMO of a large company like that. Did you feel prepared? Is the work different? <laughs> What's a good day? What's a bad day? Yeah. It, no, f- prepare for sure not, right? <laughs> I mean, um, I think it's learning every day, right? Um, a good day is where... You see uh, the the principles that we're trying to create in action, especially when you're not involved. I think that's important, right? You know, you don't have to be there personally, but people are saying, "Yeah, I, I'm doing that," and that's the logic, and it aligns back to such such and such principle. When you see that happening, is special because it means that whatever you're doing culture-wise and ways of working-wise is just permeating, right? I give I give an example. We um. Um, we have a, a little brand called uh, Country Time Lemonade. Sure. It's powdered lemonade. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly on trend, as you can imagine, <laughs> in this day and age, right? Um, and the brand was going down forever, you know, central store, kind of boring, etc. But the team there understood this principle of uh, brands with a sense of purpose and uh, a set of values manifesting themselves beyond commerce, which is our principle number one in the 10 principles. And they were thinking about how to express that and, you know, no budget, what we do. Eh? And then three kids uh, in Denver uh, last year were busted. The, lem- the lemonade stands were busted because they didn't have permits by the police. Three kids. <laughs> wow. So the team, the team heard that and said, do you know what? This is not right. And do you know what? Countertime lemonade, lemonade needs to have a say on this. So Countertime Lemonade creates something called legal aid which is a fund <laughs> to, <laughs> for kids for kids to, uh, to pay their fines if they were busted by police, etc. We did that, um, and it became a sensation. I mean, the two billion impressions for Country Town Lemonade, really, it's, it's something huge. Yeah. And then something else happened. Denver, where that uh, you know, busting happened, changed their laws uh, to allow kids to operate oh, wow. lemonade stands without a permit. <laughs> and after they did that, they did that sequentially. Other cities in the U.S. are changing their laws to do that. And every time it happens, Counter Ten Lemonade is there as a you know someone that's enabling this. So this is magic, right? When when it happens this way, 
um, the team did that by themselves. They didn't have to consult anyone. It made sense. They found a purpose that resonated in culture, beyond com commerce, and they jumped, right? The interesting thing is, you know, before they went out, the only reason why they call someone like me is because they need clearance from legal. From your legal? Yeah. Yeah. Because legal was saying, and, and with completely fair, say, guys, this is, this is kind of a moral hazard situation. You know, you're kind of incentivizing people to break the law, aren't you? Yeah, you maybe. know, maybe, <laughs> but come on, it's kids, yeah. lemonade, etc. And then I, I think that's where senior leadership plays a role to take, to remove barriers for people to do their things. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it makes sense from my integrity perspective. I, I think in that case it did. And it's just magic when it happens. When you, when you see people leaving those principles by themselves, there's, that's a good day for a CMO. Yeah. And then had to be good for the brand too, right? Look, Maybe you don't see it in overnight sales, but- Look, the, the results for the brand put you in the culture of the conversation. was incredible. Fantastic results. We, we, we joke that we put everything on, the, on legal aid, you know, it, it turned around the brand, <laughs> but you know, it is a result, we'll take it. Yeah, fantastic. So let's talk a little bit more about how you stay fresh how you stay creative, how you stay full of ideas, energetic. Do you have rituals we could learn from, you know, per personally? Do you get up early and exercise? Do you get up early and read? Right. You know, do you save your most interesting thinking time until late in the day, early in the day? Right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an early bird. I, I wake up really early, uh, like before five. Um, and I take this time before the phone call starts just to read uh, and listen, like podcast is, is an amazing source of information these days. Mm -hmm. So I have like, you know, 15, 20 that I, on my, on my roster that I just listen every day that helps. Can you think of any of your favorites now on the spot? Yeah, a couple of them, right? Some, some very, very nerdy ones like um, uh, uh, Exponent, which is um, about, you know, economics of aggregators, which is super cool, mm -hmm. like, you know, is a is a guy in Taiwan and a guy in um, in uh, Australia talking for one hour about economic theory on uh, <laughs> an aggregation theory. I learn a lot there. Sure. Um, podcasts about brands. Uh, you know, podcasts about you know uh, people starting companies. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the good ones, right? Um, I, I think it's, it's important to uh, to 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 be a student of history, not only for brands but in general. Because usually things tend to kind of repeat themselves just in a different, you know, context. Mm -hmm. So I think it helps if you if you are informed. Um, I think you have to spend time on social media these days. I try to do that. It's not my my nature, but I try to be, you know, Reddit, Barstools, sure. uh, you know, even 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 like corporate things like LinkedIn these days are so rich. Uh, that helps. Um, and, and I think we have to be open. Uh, it's amazing amount of insights that you get just listening to people carefully. You go to a, to a party, you see how people behave with you know, products and what mom says and dad says and kids says. Those things are important, right? Um, so, you know, to me, uh, uh, when brands can, can associate themselves, their message uh, with culture, and, and what we say is timely in culture, when they can be timely in culture, is super powerful. I'll, I'll give a concrete example. We, um, on, on, this, on this logic of continue, continually listening to what's happening, 
Um, we are launching last year uh, Heinz Mayo uh, in the US. It's a big category. I remember. Right? Um, and, and the team was launching in a traditional way, but they, they, they were dissatisfied with their approach, but they didn't know what to do differently, right? In terms of oh, how do we connect this in culture, really? I mean, Mayo is not really interesting. How do we do that? And one day, they, they listened on socially, right? There was a huge debate raving in the mid, Middle East about um, condiment mashups. How you mix X with Z, created the, how is it called here? But it was on fire. It's such a like silly thing, right? And then the team in the US uh, understood that debate in three hours, Jim. They launched one tweet uh, saying, Americans, you know, if you want to see ketchup and mayo together, we'll do it and we'll call it MailChup. We just need 500,000 votes. On, tweet, on Twitter, which is, sound like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so one tweet launched this campaign. We had almost 3 million votes. I mean, people were like, <laughs> we, we, we didn't know any of that. It was just like a huge debate about those mashups and how it is called in Utah and in Florida and in the Latin community and blah, blah. And people, got, <laughs> people got, got very pissed with us that we are kind of imitating their you know, right, childhood right. thing and, you know, oh, in Utah it's called fry sauce, so on and so forth. So we got, and this thing took a life of its own, went to like, you know, Good Morning America, things like that. We got like 5 billion impressions. Amazing. Out of that with one tweet. Walmart, Walmart and other customers called us and said, hey, can you launch this now? <laughs> and then the, the R&D folks uh, called the market and said, hey, we don't know how to do this. Because you know, tomatoes and mayo they, they right. kind of separate, so they, <laughs> they had to find a way to do that to begin with. In four months, um, our customers, including Walmart, which never does that, they changed their reset times to launch this thing called MayoChip. And MayoChip was the number one innovation, not for Kraft Heinz, for the whole sauces and condiments category in the US last year. Crazy, out and of one tweet, out of and one, you launched within four months of that tweet, four months. It was on the shops at Walmart. That's amazing. So, uh, so it's the amazing point, internally to move that fast. Right. The, 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 point, the point is this. It could have been nothing. But I think the spirit mm -hmm. of saying, I'm listening. Right. I'm humble. I'll try this you know, and see what happens. And, and you know, pivot away you know, as we go. I think in, in these days for brands, I think it's, fun it's fundamental. Yeah. So someday when you're playing beach volleyball and water polo <laughs> and tennis with more of your time and not working as much toward the end of your career. Right. What do you hope people say about you that it worked for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, that, that I did the right things with my teams and together we did something special. We, we took something from A to Z and this thing had a, a legacy, something that uh, there was a less impact somewhere consumers, on teams, on companies. Mm -hmm. If that happens or, you know, a fraction of that, it would be a good, uh, <laughs> a good final chapter, yes. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. So, Eduardo, we've talked a lot today about brands that build trust. You know, what you did with Kraft during the government shutdown. And so many of your brands are trusted because of their behavior over time. So what about brands that are not trusted or lose trust suddenly? You know, certainly Facebook is in the middle of that right now and all of the privacy issues and the platform as a, as a means to cultivate ideas that are not so good. So 
What's your advice to companies that lose trust, brands that lose trust? How do they rebuild it? It's not easy. We don't have a lot of examples of companies that have done that really well. The banks have certainly tried right. since the financial crisis. Some have done better than others. But what, what's, do you have any examples? Do you have any advice? Look, I, I don't have advice. <laughs> I wish I knew, but uh, what, what I think is, is, I would say, common sense, right? You have to be true to your principles. Um, you have to walk the talk. Uh, and you have to be honest at all times. And yes, if a misstep happens, and it happens in human nature sometimes, right? Um, you have to understand that it is what it is. It takes time to repair, right? And then you have to virtually communicate back to your values, back to your actions uh, that support those values. I don't think there's a magical you know, recipe anywhere. I just think it's consistency. And, uh, and, and, and that's, the, that's the concern with, um, with reputation. The moment you get it uh, hurt, or misstepped, it's super tough to win trust back, right? That's why we tell our people, reputation takes years to, to build and one second to destroy. That's why we try to be so careful uh, sele selecting the people who be the stewards of our brands uh, because they have this responsibility, right? Not, not only for the company, but also for individual brands. Uh, and, and that's a very key uh, component, I think. Eduardo, you've worked on some of the greatest brands in the world. In, the, in your career path. So what do you think are the drivers of brand loyalty? It's hard these days, right? Yeah. The Amazon effect, et cetera, et cetera. So what's been your experience in creating a brand that has, as we call it in the industry, a high share of requirements? Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> Which means people, in, in terms of all their category use, use that brand the most. Right. Look, I, I wish I knew, right? But what... what, what <laughs> Because I would repeat that 200 times of all the brands that we have. Um, the, a couple of things. I think consistency is important. Um, you know, I believe in a, in a kind of funnel, starting from, you know, we have to be aware of something to begin with. Because if you are unaware, you have no chance. Um, and then you're aware of something, and this something, this brand, has a clear enough promise that you say, okay, let me, let me give a chance to this brand and if that, that promise is fulfilled, whatever it is, could be something tangible or intangible. Could be product performance, could be what the brand stands for, could be more intangible, right? I think over time, if that promise is consistently kept and your expectation is consistently uh, uh, um, surpassed by whatever the brand is doing, that creates a cycle of love and trust. Um, frankly, uh, the, the a major concern that uh, that I have, that we have strategically, is that we're seeing the trans the transfer of this uh, sentiment more and more from brands to to the channel. Because the channels, right? And you know, kudos to those guys, Amazon's and WalMarts of the world. They're doing such a great job fulfilling that promise in a way that is really amazing. I mean, one day Prime, it's amazing. You know, I'll, I'll pay probably five times more than I pay to get that, right? So there's a there's a huge uh, fulfilled and surpassed promise that I think over time generates uh, devotion, generates loyalty, generates share of requirement, right? Um, but I, I, for sure, these things take time and consistency to get there. Heinz is a 
150 year old brand this year and we're celebrating the uh uh the you know the anniversary of the brand this year globally and yeah it, you know took took a lot of time but pe people are there right and uh, and it's a brand that over time did very little missteps in terms of the basic promise of the brand quality and otherwise and that's important so th there's all this positive luggage baggage there and Heinz must be one of your brands in the category that has in, in your company that has the most loyalty yeah it, it is one of the most yes so I want to sort of get to the end of our interview here by asking you some sort of lightning round questions right so the book that's had its biggest impact on you it's a tough question I would say uh, uh, Churchill's biographies actually the best one at least in my my opinion that was just launched uh, end of last year yeah the new one it's amazing. Yeah, uh, what a life. Uh, 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 gums, germs, and steel. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with branding, but I think yeah. it's just the way uh, the world uh, shaped up to be. Uh, those broad questions. Uh, I think this is a great book. Um, yeah, I really like the um, uh, the principles uh, book about uh, you Ray know Dalio. Uh, yeah. Dalio and you know yeah a bunch of them. Yeah, sure. So, uh, do you watch series? Is there anything on Amazon Prime or Netflix that you love right now? I mean, very much. Well, Game of Thrones is, you know, the final season. Everybody's there. Um, I have you to too, right? I have, I ha yeah, I have to convince my wife. She never, she refuses. Uh, and Billions is so fun. Uh, yeah. Billions is so fun now. It's yeah, uh, so true. Yeah. So, favorite Super Bowl ad that you ever made? No, that's easy. You know, I, I, I made, I made just four. So you know, I, you know, I, I love all of them. But I think uh, Winner Stampede. Uh, with the uh, the little dogs yeah. across the field was magic. And uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, the people who did that, um, David Miami, uh, the agency, yeah, right. um, and Jessica Ryan and Michelle Saint-Jacques, uh, the people leading the project there, they should be very proud because when when those guys brought the idea, the idea seemed really, really stupid. Okay, let's dress, you know, <laughs> win the dogs as hot dogs. And they will just, you know, approach a family of uh, condiments on a f on an open field. Is not exactly something that you can test, right? <laughs> so <laughs> right? so how they present that idea? They just said it like that. Yeah. Um, and then what? <laughs> you know, uh, you try to 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 test and see what has going to happen. But in the end of the day, you know, gut, it's it's a huge component. And we trusted the vision that uh, David guys had, and I still do. We just did a devour with them on the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, but the funny thing is we went to South Africa to, to, to shoot that thing. And uh, <laughs> when the dogs run across the field, it was like a second. Then we said, my goodness, how are these things going to work? But then they put the magic, right? The this, this super slow-mo and the, you know, the CGI with you know, a thousand dogs and all that. And, um, and the funny story about that is the, uh, the angle of that commercial was originally more like a, a battlefield kind of vibe with the music. Mm -hmm. Last minute, everything was filmed. We listened to that music, that song that ended up on the commercial that changed the whole story because instead of a battlefield, it became a love story. Um, and, and those things a are just- better metaphor, right? And those things are just, I mean, it's not yeah. science. It's more- It's creativity. Creativity, right? And they had to respect that. So what's your favorite Super Bowl ad that you didn't make? Your, your favorite Super Bowl ad of all time? Hmm. A couple. Um, 
look I, I, recently i think i think the the, the tie that uh, it's a tie that i think is brilliant it's, yeah the meta brilliant. you know aspect of that so i think is incredible um the budweiser ones from the uh, from the 80s are incredible i think uh, they still work yeah they, they do uh they really do um yeah a couple of them right it's uh super bowl is, is interesting because it's uh, you know <laughs> the stakes are so high Usually, people who take more risks, they're, they're, there's a reward there. You try to be safe, you you get ignored yeah. uh, on the crowd. Yeah. So, last question: Who else? You've been a great guest. Who Thank else you. would you like to hear? You love podcasts. You love to learn. Who else would you like to hear on the CMO podcast? You used to be a CMO. No, no, anyone. <laughs> we had, we're going to have Scott Galloway on. And, right. You know, we're going to have thought leaders, mostly CMOs, but we'll 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 mix it up. Right. A couple of people. Uh, Three people that comes to mind, they, they, they are great in their respective uh, disciplines. Uh, Anselmo, uh, Hamus, now with Gut, mm -hmm. he was with Dave Miami. Um, this guy is a creative genius. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, Anselmo, yeah. not, not so much, but he is. Uh, I hope he's listening to that. Um, I became close to um, Martin Lindstrom sure. uh, lately, yeah. and uh, Martin is really impressive in the way he thinks about culture mm -hmm. and behavior. Um, yeah, I would say those two guys. Those two? Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, I can call them if you want. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Eduardo, thank you. It was thank a you, blast. Jim. Appreciate Wonderful. it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Eduardo Lutz. What really, really affected me in this conversation was Eduardo's love of creativity, spontaneity, and being in touch with culture. I love his idea of bringing his creative partners into his office every Friday for ideas. Just give me ideas. Don't worry about budgets. Don't worry about timelines. I just want ideas every week on Friday that match the purpose of our brands. I think it's a brilliant idea. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.